1: Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate.
2: Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join.
3: 20 minutes a day. Three hundred and sixty-five days a year. This is the Packaday Podcast. Welcome back to another
4: episode of the Pack A Day Podcast. You can get all your pack updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. What's going on, Andrew? It's good to be back. It's Friday, and we are here for more off-season coverage.
5: Yeah, it is always really great to be back. I know I can take a uh, 30-minute break or so to stop grinding film, and we can just talk about how we ground film during the week. It's kind of daunting to face the offseason at the beginning, right? Obviously, we were crushed about the Packers losing, but then it's like, oh, man, we don't have football forever. But this initial part is actually, in my opinion, going really fast. We we have uh, the first few days of free agency, you and I are going to be breaking down in just three weeks. It's pretty crazy. And we are only two months away from the draft, so it is serious offseason time right now. It,
4: is a fun time of time of the year,
5: and I think everyone knows that we especially love
4: this time of the year. And uh, things are about to get really interesting in the next couple of weeks with free agency and pro days starting to get uh, get here. It's going to be a fun time. But if you've been listening to Andrew and I on Fridays, you know that we are in the middle of a series that we are calling the. Pre- Oh my goodness, I almost made it. The positional prospectus. I made it through several weeks of that and blundered it today. But the positional prospectus, and in this we are taking a look at two or three different positions on the Packers roster on each show, and we are Kind of assessing where things currently sit, but then having some fun and dreaming about where each position could go over the course of the offseason. We began this madness two weeks ago now, and we've worked through all the offensive position groups. So if you've missed those shows uh, from the last couple weeks, you can go back and get caught up. But today, we are back to continue the conversation on the defensive side of the football, and we're going to start with the defensive line and get into Edge later in the show.
5: Hard to imagine there's a more exciting positional group for this Green Bay Packers roster than the defensive line, defensive correct, Kyle? Yeah. It, it is not a very exciting group. Of course, you have all-world Kenny Clark. Uh, and He will, of course, be on the Packers long-term, we know, with that contract extension from last offseason. But then they also have Dean Lowry, Kingsley Kiki, Anthony Rush, Willington Prevalin, and Bronson Kafusi, is nice. who's who of NFL <laughs> talent. The The free agents this year are going to be Snacks Harrison, Montrevious Adams, Billy Wynn. Uh, those are the unrestricted guys. And then you have one restricted free agent from the defensive line, and that is Tyler Lancaster. To me, Lowry is the one question mark of those who are assigned because his contract may make it appealing for Brian Gutekunst, the Packers, to move on. However... They do have to have some sort of plan to replace him if they do. Dean Lowry may not be spectacular, but you still have to have somebody to play that position. And it seems unlikely any of the unrestricted free agents are going to be back. You know, you think about Snacks, Harrison, Montrevious, Adams, Billy Wynn. They all sort of just seem to be kind of guys at the at this point in their career. Tyler Lancaster may not be flashy, but he's not going to cost very much, and they can trust him to be like D-lineman four or five. Where we start to get worried is when Tyler Lancaster is defensive lineman two. That is a good time to get worried. I was actually just thinking, I
4: feel robbed in some ways because of all the emotional energy I spent getting excited about Snacks Harrison and then really only getting to experience just a very few uh, snaps from him at the end of the season and then probably no more. He's probably not a Packer next year and I feel disappointed with that being the case. But um Throughout this series, we've talked about how the Packers could choose to address each position through free agency, and with almost every position that Andrew and I have discussed, we said that we really didn't think that the Packers would throw a lot of money around. And so, uh, to me, though, the defensive line feels like it might just be a little bit different. I think this is a place where we could see the Packers get a little bit creative and pay up for what might be an impact kind of player. And obviously, J.J. Watt is the elephant in the room here, and Maybe he does sign with Green Bay. It would be a fantastic story. It would give the Packers so much help on that defensive line and give Kenny Clark the running mate that he really does need. But to me, there's one other big name that I think Packers fans should really keep tabs on in free agency if J.J. Watt does sign somewhere else, and that's soon to be former New York Giant defensive lineman Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, Tomlinson is a talented run stuffer who's going to get paid a pretty healthy amount of money this offseason. And Ian Rappaport reported that Green Bay attempted to trade for Tomlinson during the 2020 season. So we know the Packers have had interest in the past, and the Packers continue to try to fill that run stuffing role uh, with a player like Snacks Harrison that I mentioned earlier. Uh, and that need isn't going to go away. The Packers' actions show that they know that they are missing that kind of player along the defensive line. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that they even plan to sign Tomlinson to a long-term deal, even if they were successful in trading for him. Uh, Track estimates that he'll net about $9 million a year on the open market this free agency period. So I don't think Green Bay pays that, but he is at least a name worth watching, especially because run defenders markets can be pretty finicky. And I would guess that they might even uh, be more so even this off season with all that's happening. So if Tomlinson makes it through that first wave of free agency, I can see the Packers getting involved. And so just a name to keep tabs on as the Packers go into free agency, maybe looking for some help in the defensive line there.
5: Yeah, and so now we're going to move on to draft prospects that we like, defensive line position, and mine is going to be Aline McNeil out of North Carolina State. I, I did tweet something about him over this past weekend when I watched him on film. I got really excited. He actually played running back and linebacker in high school. Now he's listed as a 315-pound defensive lineman. So so you start to get excited when you see those kind of background uh, facts about players, and you're like, okay, where where's, where's this movement skill that I'm looking for? forward to. He's actually really strong. He anchors incredibly well. He's going to make his living early as a stout run defender. So that that part of me, it, that, that part surprised me a little bit of his evaluation. I was expecting kind of that like fit pass rushing defense alignment instead. He's, he's a pretty big dude, uh, pretty stout against the run. Length is always going to be a little bit of a limiting factor, but he can be a block block absorber, he he just maybe can't shed a lot of blocks because of that limited arm length. He's got really nice twitch and you know obviously you start talking about a guy he's played running back and linebacker and that's not super surprising. He's just so new to the position, he doesn't have much of a plan to rush the passer. He's always gonna try to beat people with with just quickness and power. And you're not gonna get away with that in the NFL consistently. But you can see the potential with Aline McNeil the Packers could maybe get him in the fifth or sixth round, and he gives you two really important things. Number one, something they need really bad is to be impactful against the right run right away, but also potentially be able to develop as a pass rusher, which which to me is just a crazy bonus when you're talking about defense linemen on day three of the draft
4: yeah really interesting prospect and one that i'm pretty sure has been reported to have met uh via zoom with the packers throughout the process already so uh interesting to Keep an eye on. I didn't on... know that. I just celebrated on video. Yeah, yeah. I know people can't stuff. hear that. <laughs> so keep an eye on McNeil out of North Carolina State. But um, I've joked on Twitter this week about how hard the names in this defensive line group are to pronounce. Uh, but I'm committed to doing my best because these guys, they've earned the right to have us properly pronounce their names. Or, in my case, at least try. And uh, Washington's Levi Anzariki is a difficult name to say, uh, but he's even more difficult to deal with on the football field. Anzariki opted out of the 2020 season, and so it's a real bummer that we didn't get that extra year of film on him, because he'd shown incredible growth in every year that he played, and one more step forward I think really would have gone a long way in giving us something pretty impressive to discuss, and maybe even first-round consideration for Anzariki, but Levi is kind of that athletic freak. He's 6'3", 290 pounds, and even though he's probably kind of that penetrating three-tech type of player, He's already pretty surprisingly good against the run as well, which bodes for his ability to stay on the football field. But uh, he's just all around an expo- explosive player with really long arms that help him get off of blocks. I, I would say he's a raw prospect, and that's reinforced by him missing a year of football now. Uh, but I think he's a really intriguing ball of clay that you'd get excited about taking probably somewhere on day two. Uh, one last note on Anzariki is he chose to play football at Washington because Texas was too hot so uh, I think we can think of a place where he wouldn't need to worry about the heat but uh, that is the defensive line group I think Aaron and I are ready to move on to the edge position and um, the edge position is really a pretty interesting one because it's a position that seriously needed fixed when Brian Gutekunst became the GM of the Green Bay Packers, and he did not hesitate to address the position and then continue to throw resources at it. Obviously, he signed both Zedaria Smith and Preston Smith in 2019 and then went on to draft Rashawn Gary with the 12th pick overall, when many assumed that he had already filled their need at edge rusher, and now we are in a place, a couple years later, where all three of those guys are on the roster and are very valuable players to this football team. Uh, But it remains to be seen if Preston Smith will avoid being cut as a cap casualty. Uh, But from the moment Preston signed that contract, it was pretty obvious that it was basically a two-year deal with a team option after that, and now the Packers do have a really difficult decision to make there, especially with Rashawn Gary playing so well, but uh, the depth at edge is really interesting because past Darius and Gary, uh, if you assume that Preston is getting cut, the Packers just have Jonathan Garvin and Typical A, who uh, I actually think are both players who could be in line for a uh, big step forward in 2021, but uh, the edge position at least when considering depth, might just be a sneaky need for this Packers team if they do move on from Preston, which I think at this point is almost to be expected.
5: Yeah, and so then you you take a look at free agency, and there's some big names. Now, not all of these guys are going to hit the market because teams really value edge players. And certainly, there's going to be some players who, who re-sign. There's going to be some franchise tags used as well. But as of right now, what it looks like, Von Miller actually has a club option. I don't know that the Broncos are necessarily going to pick that up. Von Miller is, of course, coming off of a season-ending injury. Didn't play at all in 2020. And, you know... that. Some of his production was not necessarily matching the salary that he was at before, so there are some rumors that he may be out of out in Denver. You have Matt Judon, Melvin Ingram, Bud Dupree, Shaq Barrett, Jadavion Clowney, Justin Houston, Yannick Ngakwe, Ryan Kerrigan, Olivier Vernon, Hassan Reddick, and Leonard Floyd. That's a, there's a lot of headliners in this class. Uh, do you think the Packers are going to sign a big price edge this year in free agency, Kyle? Nope. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. So <laughs> it's fun to talk about those names and then be like, well, none of those guys has a chance to end up in Green Bay. But maybe the Packers would look at a player looking for a prove-it deal or maybe a veteran looking to latch on for a chance to win a championship. Some names that I, I was researching and just kind of throwing out there, there's Everson Griffin, former Packer J. Elliot, Elliott, Alden Smith, those guys aren't necessarily going to get anybody excited, but the Packers do have to release Preston. They may look to add a depth guy be- behind Zedarius and Rashawn Gary because even though I'm super excited about John Garvin and Tipa Galay has like, some, some fans out there, I'm just not sure if they're ready to be mm-hmm. in the rotation as three and four. But we, we will see. The Packers organization certainly knows better than, than we do. But let me throw out one more name here. Um, don't do this man (laughs) Kyler the man the myth the legend the sideburns I I know this has already been floated out there because Andy uh, Herman mentioned it a couple of nights ago but a reunion at a major discount seems like one that could make a lot of sense for both those parties so come on Kyler come on (laughs) home you know me we're like best friends he could room with me I got a place. <laughs> Listen. We could get two twin beds. We've gone so long
4: without long you bed. saying the name Kyler Fackrell on this podcast. And for all intents and purposes, it was a beautiful time in the life of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but if people have been listening for for a couple of years, they know that uh, Kyler Fackrell was basically the Easter egg to almost every every uh, episode that we ever did together for a long time. And and Andrew, I, I don't know if you would call it a love-hate relationship,
5: but it, things were rocky at times between There's you a lot and Tyler. There's less love in that relationship than there should be, but I think the whole thing started very early on, you know, nearly three years ago when we started doing the podcast. I said that... I, I forget how I put it, but essentially that he should be not worry about sacking the quarterback, but instead worry about sacking the Oh, my goodness, or yeah, Or yeah. something to that effect. I don't, don't know. I was saying he didn't belong in a And were then he was. blew up. He had a phenomenal season. He looked really good. You know, But basically two years of making me look foolish, even though his sack numbers were super inflated. Glad he got the money with, with the Giants. I'm just saying, like, The Kyler I was making fun of was this guy who had a relatively high draft pedigree and really wasn't producing. But if he wanted to come back for one year at a super discounted rate, he's plenty serviceable. If he's your edge three, I think you're really happy. Um, And as as much as I'd like to joke about it, I, I think that would be a really solid addition.
6: Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With the Credit Karma Money Spend Account, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. C-Rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limit apply.
4: Yeah, in all seriousness, we had a little bit of fun there reminiscing about how we used to discuss uh, row on the regular. But I, I agree with you. This would be a great move. I mean, if it was a cheap deal, um, the familiarity and then also uh, you're talking about Edge 3 could be a great, great addition to this football team. So um, what we thought we were done with We may not be. We may continue to talk about Kyler Fackrell. But um, jumping down to the draft and some options that the Packers could pursue uh, if they went that route, for me, it's really hard to imagine the Packers spending a first-round pick on an edge rusher. but. That's kind of what we thought in 2019 when they picked Rashawn Gary. And if there's a player that I think could interest the Packers at the end of the first, if you were to fall that far, it's Joseph Asai from Texas. Uh, Asai came from Nigeria with his family when he was young. And he initially wanted to play wide receiver in high school, uh, but he couldn't catch. So uh, he found his spot (laughs) a rushing passer. Uh, But a really, really cool story. Seems like a super high-character player, but Asai looks most natural standing up, rushing the passer, so it's probably a fit for that 3-4 team, and uh, you would just love to find someone like Asai who could bring a little bit, maybe a more of a lightning player to pair with the Thunder that we're used to seeing with Z and Rashawn. And while someone like Asai may be more of a situational passer, a uh, pass rusher rather, uh, to start their career, it's really fun to think about having him and Gary rushing from the edge with Z kicking inside on third down. So uh, like I said, kind of doubt Green Bay is looking to go edge early, uh, but pass rushers are a premium position. And if someone like Asai were to fall, I think he'd be a fun chess piece for the Packers to work with their uh, defense there and this this new scheme that they'll be Im- implementing, I guess,
5: uh, with Joe Barry. Yeah, and last year I was incredibly excited about John Garvin, right? I had a second-round grade on him. He, goes, he ends up going in the seventh round. I, I thought the Packers got an absolute steal. And some of the things that I saw in Garvin as a prospect, um, I see in the guy that I'm going to talk about. But I think... Garvin's like the B plus version of this guy, and and that is Jason Away out of Penn State, who is just an absolute athletic freak. He's not a freak; he's a freak. <laughs> and I will uh, you by the end of this, you're gonna know what I'm talking about. Tell Kyle. me, he's 257" incredible explosiveness. When he bends, it looks like he's nearly parallel to the ground. Like, it's just super bendy. You love to see that because that's, like, a sign of really great things to come down the line. He's got really nice length. He can use that to expand his tackle radius. You see him punching the ball out of quarterbacks even when he gets pushed around them. Uh, he doesn't appear strong enough to press tackles, and he's going to be really limited as a, like, beat the blocker in front of you guy against run early in the career. So, like, you're not necessarily going to put him on the field to be a run stopper right away. But, um, you know, even though his rush moves can use some, some significant upgrades, he's really raw. He, he was a redshirt sophomore. Um, he is an athletic unicorn at the rush position. Um, if you give him time to develop and the right coaching, and as far as I know, backers still have Mike Smith, so, you know, they, they, they have the guy to coach him up. Right, Mike Smith? Still on the Absolutely. team? Still on the team, as far as we know. <laughs> so, and then obviously, you know, at least at a minimum you have Zadarius and, and Rashawn to be great role models, and maybe Preston too. This guy could legitimately be the best pass rusher in the class in two to three years. So freaky. Kyle, I have a question for you. Okay. What do you think a really great 40-yard dash time for an edge would be? Ooh, uh, I mean... Good would be like 4'7", amazing, 4'6", something in that range, right? Okay, okay, I'm going to tell you something. In the summer of 2019, Penn State reported that Jackson away ran a 4.33 40-yard dash. Now I don't know what his weight was at the time. I, I didn't look into <sighs> Holy it. Holy smoke. And I'm sure he was pretty light because he was a red shirt freshman at the time. So he, he I don't think he was anywhere near 257. But That's four 3 3 Are you kidding? Even if even if he lost a tenth of a second by putting on weight, you know, which which happens all the time. That is freaky speed. Oh my goodness. What well, you I... know, we,
4: yeah, I don't. The Washington Edge that just got drafted was it last year? The uh, oh my goodness, he ran four five, and that was like unbelievable at that time. Yeah. So like,
5: I mean, that's yeah. Uh, and I I think Montez Sweat. This is what I'm talking about. two yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, Montez Sweat ran like a, I, I thought he was in the four fours. Like he four he might have. Oh Might have been like four four nine or something, but unbelievable. Yeah, and that was like, oh my gosh. Like right. what, what is going on here? I don't know that a way would be running that kind of speed, you know, right now at his size, but still like phenomenal. And then you add in he's not just a straight line guy. He shows a lot of really great short area quickness. The bend part as as a six five pass rusher to, to really have the dip that he does and maintain your speed and explosiveness through that is incredibly rare. So I don't know where he's gonna get picked. It might be a second, third round guy, but man, from an upside point of view, super intriguing, super exciting.
4: Yeah, that's incredible. He is someone that I have not watched yet, and so I'm now very intrigued uh, to get around to his film a little bit more. And
5: you're you're, you're probably going to say, "Why isn't this guy's film better?" Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I will tell you, you, you know, like he he's so raw. He yeah, he's, yeah. he's this bulk like he's not like. As young as you would think for redshirt sophomore, he is 22. Okay. but like just from a skill set standpoint and the opportunity to develop, it, some team is is going to get a, a really fun ball of clay. and as long as they don't try to put him on the field too early and in too many run situations, I think he's going to be incredibly successful. As he develops.
4: Yeah, and you absolutely know that NFL teams are always more than willing to take swings <laughs> on players that have ran a four three three at some point in their life. Just unbelievable athleticism and speed from uh, edge
5: player for sure. I have a question for you. This okay. isn't on the script. Okay. Uh, but we're we're I'm I'm just gonna throw this out there because we okay. kind of got through our two position groups relatively quickly today. I was thinking about this this week. If the Packers only ended up having the money to sign one player, and I know these guys are all in different ballparks, so you know it's a hypothetical situation. Don't don't get too angry at me for that. But who would you rather have? We can only have one of the three: Corey Lindsley, Aaron Jones, no. J.J. Watt.
4: Oh, okay. Um, man, big question here at the end of the show. Uh, you you just want the satisfaction of me saying that it's not Aaron Jones. This is like what this is about. Um, it was but, <laughs> not until now, but now it is. <laughs> but seriously, Aaron Jones is the first to be eliminated from the conversation for me. Um, I for me, I think the correct answer is Corey Lindsley. Um, personally, just because of I, I think the reliability that you get from him and the consistency that you would potentially prolong by keeping him on your offensive line. Um, I'm psyched about J.J. Watt in the same scenario, though, because of what he brings to your defense and where I think that they need that infusion of talent up front. So I'm happy with both of those guys. Tough conversation, but I'm probably picking Corey Lindsley.
5: Where you at? Yeah, as as excited as I would be for J.J. Watt, I think I landed in the same place as you, and you have an all-pro center. Like, do I want to give him a long-term contract? Absolutely not. But if you could get him for a one-year deal because the market is uh, a little too low for his liking or, you know, a two-year deal where, where the money really spikes in year two, I think I'd be more than comfortable with that. He's still one of the, if not the best center in the league, he has a super great rapport with your quarterback. You love that. You, you want to keep the five in front of Aaron Rodgers as consistent as possible. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. There's so many factors in that. The Packers typically don't give out their contracts. Lindsley is sort of at that age where you, you, you could start to see a decline from a player that is of his stature. J.J. Watt's super exciting, and don't get me wrong; like I still think he can be an elite defensive lineman. He's been that the last few years. He's just not always on the field, and so you know you have to take that into account as well. And it depends what his price tag is going to be. So yeah, yeah, for the value, Corey Lindsley, give me give me that every day. So what's really interesting about J.J. Watt to me, and this is
4: something I haven't been able to articulate in text um, on on Twitter because I, I just haven't felt like I could say it well without. It's it's sounding weird, but the Packers' defense has kind of come out flat in a couple of playoff games and big games the last couple of years. And one factor that I think that J.J. Watt may bring is energy to this defense. And, like, he's not going to come out flat. If he makes the playoffs, he's going to play – his absolute best game in that game, or he's going to want to. And I'm not saying that the Packers mailed it in on defense or anything like that. But for whatever reason, they've come out a little flat in those situations. And so you don't pay $15 million for someone to show up uh, in a playoff game. But I do think that's a hidden benefit that he brings to this team. A little bit of leadership and a little bit of that edge uh, that could could be a big factor. So it'll be interesting to see what his price tag ends up being, like Andrew said, because that 16. $15 million dollar market has been floated you kind of wonder if that's a an agent dangling that saying it's actually more like 11 or 12 and we'd really like it to come up uh, for a team that he'd like to play for but um, we'll know probably sometime next week when that deal is signed but I know a lot of fans have their hopes up um, would be tons of fun to see him in a green 99
5: but I guess we'll have to wait and see all right one more question okay all right the rumors right okay uh, you, you've heard about this Russell Wilson list of teams, <laughs> and it includes one Chicago Bears. Oh my! So, um, what is going on there?
3: <laughs>
5: Why are the Bears on this list of teams yeah. for Russell so, Wilson? Like, I can't understand.
3: The list
4: of teams for those listening at home: uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys, which is interesting. That would be uh, a Mike McCarthy with uh, Russell Wilson which would be interesting uh, but the Cowboys then you've got the Saints you got the Raiders and you've got the Chicago Bears and I would just like to say Russell Wilson is an incredible NFL quarterback but his ability to assess good places to go and further his career uh seriously struggling here I'm not sure why he uh, has mentioned the Raiders or even at the the, I mean, the Cowboys have all kinds of talent, so I can see a little bit of in- intrigue there. But, yeah, I mean, uh, Chicago Bears, Landon Russell-Wilson, um, is an interesting, uh, It's, I mean, he's a crazy good quarterback. The Chicago Bears, are the Chicago Bears in win-now mode, Andrew?
5: I would say so, yeah.
4: Are they prepared to win? Are they, is this happening? Are the Chicago Bears going to be a winning football team next year?
5: No, I mean, well, I, winning by you mean being 9-8, and eight, which are, we're going to have to get used to oh, saying yeah, no, things like that with weird. 17 games. But, yeah. yeah, I think they could be a 9-8 and eight football team. I think they yeah. could be a 10-7 and seven football team. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not Super Bowl contenders, if that's what you're getting at. Maybe yep. with Russell Wilson
4: they are. And that's that's what I'm saying here, I think, is, I mean, he obviously adds a ton to any football team. The, the capital that the Chicago Bears would have to give up to get Russell Wilson is insane, I would imagine. And we know that the Bears are in win-now mode because they have to win to save the jobs of their GM and their head coach. And so what I'm so thankful for as a Green Bay Packer fan is I don't feel like we've been in that situation in a long time because of the way that the team is structured where – the future is mortgaged in order to save jobs, and I think that that's what we're going to see in Chicago. They're going to get desperate to try to win, and maybe it is a Russell Wilson kind of situation. I can't imagine that it actually happens, um, but I'm so thankful uh, that the Green Bay Packers aren't making decisions like this
5: to try to save some jobs. Right, and that that list, you know, I think about it. You have Sean Payton, Mike McCarthy, John Gruden. They've all won Super Bowls. They're all offensive coaches. And then, hey, by the way, you have Matt and Nagy. That yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't think the Bears roster is is ready to like take on Russell Wilson. If they have to give up their draft compensation that the Seahawks are going to require, they don't have that draft compensation. So they're going to have to send a bunch of players back, and that's going to weaken the roster, which is already pretty thin. Uh, their offensive line is a disaster, and that's what he wanted to get away from in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and just from the Seahawks' point of view, it doesn't make any sense to trade Russell Wilson because they don't have their own first-round pick next year. That mm-hmm. belongs to the New York Jets and the Jamal Adams trade. So if you're going to trade Russell Wilson, you're you're... Probably going to bottom out at some point, and you want to be able to have that pick. So, you know, I, you you mentioned kind of an interesting scenario pre-show that that I had not thought of before with with maybe the the Seahawks targeting a rookie quarterback.
4: Yeah, so it's interesting that it's been floated in the past that the Seahawks really liked Patrick Mahomes when he came out, and that apparently there's been this kind of Russell Wilson saga going on for a couple years now, and that they would have uh, seriously considered taking him if he were to fall to them and those kinds of things, and obviously a lot of people are talking about Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback, as this second coming of Pat Mahomes, and I don't think that that's reality, I don't feel that way, but... If the Seattle Seahawks felt that way, and they could somehow get a team in those top two or three picks to bite on Russell Wilson, maybe there's something there where they're in a situation to then take Zach Wilson and kind of reboot their franchise. But it would have to be one of those teams, and I don't know, maybe maybe Miami, maybe the Jets would be interested in that. But, uh, man, I, I, it's, it's tough to see Seattle... Uh, it just it's, it seems like this is falling apart and as a Packers
5: fan I'm not overly upset about it. So that is definitely interesting. Just just wanted to pose that question uh before we got out of here at the end of the show. Alright. That it? Okay. <laughs> cool. Well, remember when you said pre show you were gonna set me up to talk about some stuff and oh, then yeah, you dude. didn't because you forgot your cue? That's yeah. cool. Good job, Kyle. No, that's fine. Let me talk about it. Like I'm bringing up my own work, like like a complete sociopath. But yeah, so I wrote, I wrote, (laughs) I've been writing. Dream on Wisconsin. I've been writing draft profiles for Game On Wisconsin, which clearly Kyle is super interested in. And this week I talked about Pat Fryermuth, the tight end from Penn State. Uh that's actually a really interesting read. I think I think, you know, I'm starting to get into the players that might be in the range of the Packers if they are looking to add to the tight end position. Um but anyways, that is all the time that we have for today. This is the Packing Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore pundit. And he'll forget everything that you talk about. And then you can find me at Andrew Murphy. Remember to also follow at Pack Eight Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what you're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We're going to be back next week with more off-season coverage. We're going to be hitting on those off-ball linebackers, corners, and safeties, and that's going to be really fun. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember. <laughs>